Villas Grace Church. Building relationships that make followers of Jesus. Know, grow, go. To know him, to grow in him, to go with him. Some of you may know these four individuals. You may know three of the four for sure. I would imagine most of you can pick out three of the four. But I want to ask a question. What do all four of these men have in common? There's one thing that all these men have in common. What is it that all four of these men have in common? See, for me, I think it's easy to recognize that all four of these men have this one thing in common, and that is this. They are all liars. These men have been caught not telling the truth. Lance Armstrong lied about doping. Bill Clinton lied about Monica Lewinsky. Barry Bonds lied about taking performance-enhancing drugs. And the other individual who you may not know who he is, but I guarantee you, you've probably heard his last name at the very least. He lied to his investors. That man's name is Charles Ponzi. It's where we get the term or the name for what happens when you take somebody's money and then give it to somebody else and keep a portion and keep it going, a Ponzi scheme. You've heard it been said in life. Some of you have heard this before. I actually said this to Hope this week, and she said, I've never heard that before. Well, I've heard this before. The expression that says, never trust anyone except your mother. Well, I would say don't even think about trusting your mother or yourself either. That's a recipe for disaster. Brothers and sisters, I say this with confidence, though. I really, truly do, but I don't even know if that gives you confidence. If I'm sitting here telling you don't even trust yourself, or I'm saying I don't trust myself, which you've heard me say many, many times, and you will hear me say that many more times into the future because there's truth to that statement, that should give you confidence. It should give you confidence that the leaders of this church are telling you we don't even trust ourselves. Because I think if you really break it down, and I know this sounds like a harsh statement, but I believe this to be true. Some way, somehow, whether it's a white one or a bald-faced one, we are all liars. Each and every one of us, at one point in our lives, has at least told a lie. Therefore, making us no better than these four men that we just pointed out. Now... If this does do what it should do for us, if we understand that men are liars, this is what mankind does, we should really then hold true to the testimony of Jesus Christ. Because today we're going to observe God's word tell us this, the one who has accepted his testimony has certified that God is true. And what God says about Jesus can be found in our sermon's title this morning. And that title is this, Jesus is above all. Jesus is above all. Today we're going to be finishing 
John chapter 3. We're looking at verses 31 through 36 this morning, but before we get into this text, we can't forget about our last sermon from Pastor Jared where he covered John chapter 3, verses 22 through 30, because in his sermon it was titled, More Jesus, Less Me. We were encouraged in the simple truth that true spiritual leaders make much about Jesus and little about themselves. Today we're going to realize further why this is true. The reason why John the Baptist was making more of Jesus and less of himself. We're going to recognize that humble Christians are concerned with sharing the gospel because one's response to the gospel in which they are sharing determines someone else's eternal destiny. Again, we talk about this all the time. It's not about our life now. It's about our life to come. The gospel is forward thinking. The gospel is for the future, in the past, in the present. It's the only message that has a past, present, and future. Any other message outside of the gospel simply does not. Let's go ahead and get into God's Word right here. John chapter 3, verses 31 through 36. He who comes from above is above all. The one who is only from the earth is of the earth. And speaks of the earth, he who comes from heaven is above all. What he has seen and heard, of this he testifies, and no one accepts his testimony. The one who has accepted his testimony has certified that God is true. For he whom God sent speaks the words of God, for he does not give the Spirit sparingly. The Father loves the Son and has entrusted all things to His hand. The one who believes in the Son has eternal life, but the one who does not obey the Son will not see life, but the wrath of God remains upon him. Amen. As we look to put these verses into one sentence, making up and formulating our main idea, that sentence looks just like this. How we respond to the Son of God will determine our future. How we respond to the Son of God will determine our future. But before we continue, I I just want to make note of this really quickly. See where it says Son of God? That's done on purpose. Son of God means that Jesus is God. Never forget that. He's not God's Son as in a father here, humanistically speaking, father to son. No, it's not the same. He is God in flesh. That's what that means. Whenever you see that in Scripture, you understand that Jesus is God in human form. Again, before we start, I want to get back into our text, but before we do that, I'd like to read this quote from A.W. Tozer. For those of you that do not know A.W. Tozer, you can pick up any of his, re- or his writings, and trust me, he is an excellent Excellent author. But I want to read this one quote from A.W. Tozer, and really it has everything to do with one of our verses today. And you can jot this note down. What you're about ready to hear me read and what is on the screen for you actually is connected to what we see today in verse 31. But Tozer says this, A spiritual kingdom lies all about us, enclosing us, embracing us all together within reach of our inner selves, waiting for us to recognize it. God himself is here waiting our response to his presence. 
This eternal world will come alive to us the moment we begin to reckon upon its reality. This eternal life mentioned by Tozer is actually revealed right here in our first set of verses where it says, in He who comes from heaven. In He who comes from heaven. Because He who comes from heaven is above all. And we know from our sermon's title, Jesus is above all. Brothers and sisters, we're from the earth. Therefore, since we're from the earth, we belong to the earth. We're from the earth, therefore we speak the language of the earth. It doesn't matter what language you speak. It really doesn't matter what dialect you truly speak, what you're fluent in. That doesn't matter because there's one common language of this earth. And it's the same language that, you know, Barry Bonds speaks, Lance Armstrong, Bill Clinton, and good old Charles Ponzi. That's the language of the earth. Brothers and sisters, do you recognize what John is actually telling us? I mean, really, right here in verse 31, do you, do you see what he's telling us? He's telling us, we have limitations and Jesus does not. We speak of what we know and what we know is the earth, but Jesus also speaks of what he knows. And he knows both heaven and earth. The testimony of Jesus supersedes the teaching of any prophet, any teacher, or any preacher. This isn't my pulpit or Pastor Jared's pulpit or whoever is up here preaching's pulpit. No, this isn't even Villa's Grace Church's pulpit. This is Christ's pulpit. We all pull our shoes on the same way, don't we? I mean, my dad used to always tell me growing up, Everybody puts their pants on one leg at a time. I always thought that was a great reminder to, to let me know that we're all in the same boat together. It doesn't matter what you have, what you don't have, where you come from. Everybody puts their, sh their pants on one leg at a time. So let's just change it up this morning. We all put our shoes on, right, the same way. Nobody's jumping into their shoes. We all put our shoes on one foot at a time. There is no one who, however, is worthy to even untie the sandal of Jesus. Not even John the Baptist. Let's not forget about what John the Baptist told us here in John 1, verse 27. We went over this some weeks ago. As a reminder, verse 27 says, It is he who comes after me of whom I am not worthy even to untie the strap of his sandal. So as we go back to verses 31 through 34, we remember that Jesus is above all because he had full knowledge... Not just of earthly things. See, that's where we're at. But see, we don't even have full knowledge of earthly things, do we? We, we have knowledge of some earthly things. I mean, enough to qualify us to be in the same boat of those four men that we started off with. But Jesus not only had full knowledge, not half, not partial, not a fraction. He not only had full knowledge of earthly things, but he also had full knowledge of heavenly things. That's why we're saying Jesus is above all. He had the full knowledge, and this is important, 
of God's entire eternal counsel. Again, the gospel's always futuristic. The gospel's always forward-thinking. It takes our past with our present and creates a future for us because of what Jesus has done upon the cross. And he, he who knows all, who is above all, knows everything that there is to possibly know. We call this actually the supremacy of Christ. This is the supremacy of Christ. And there's so many bits of evidence all throughout the Bible of this. You know, as an infant, Jesus worried King Herod. He had King Herod going on a murder rampage, didn't he? As a boy, he puzzled the physicians. As a man, he controlled nature. He defied the laws of gravity when he walked on water. He healed without medicine. He fed 5,000 with five loaves and two small fish. So what is it that no one accepts about his testimony? Because you see it right here in the text. He's doing all these incredible things. He's coming from heaven having full knowledge of earth, having full knowledge of heaven, which, you know, let's just go ahead and say this as a footnote, which makes perfect sense because let's not forget, Jesus himself is the creator, sustainer of everything that has ever come into the existence, the entire universe, including this planet. So what is it that no one accepts about his testimony? Those who got to hear his testimony in the flesh, what is it that they did not accept? Well, first, we need to understand who the no one is. Who is this people group? The no one is the nation of Israel, specifically being referred to. See, they waited for God's revelation. They waited a few more centuries then after receiving that for the promised Messiah. So when God actually reveals and then the Messiah actually arrives, they reject God's revelation and then they reject God's testimony. However, this no one does not actually mean no one. So it definitely says no one, but that no one's actually directed at a certain people group, but it doesn't mean no one. Because if that were true, then verse 33 would not say the one who has accepted his testimony has certified that God is true. Deny the testimony of Jesus, call God a liar. Accept the testimony of Jesus, you certify that God is true. And this brings two things to mind. First, few actually accepted his testimony. That's the first thing that comes to mind. Brothers and sisters, there's a reason for this. The testimony of Jesus was heavenly. And his audience was earthly. His testimony didn't conform to the pattern of this world as Scripture tells us in Romans 12. Secondly, though, those that did certify that God is true, anyone who denies Jesus as Christ, anyone who denies the supremacy, as we've already stated, of Jesus, and something that we've already stated would be this. They're calling God a liar. No, no, no. Lying is the business of man, not God. That's how Charles Ponzi made his fortune. 
That's how Lance Armstrong made his fortune. That's how Barry Bonds made his fortune. That is how Bill Clinton has made his fortune. I mean, don't get me wrong. If you want to you know, call God a liar and then continue to be a liar in your life, it's going to get you somewhere. It will. You'll benefit from lying, but it's only temporary. See, and that's really the difference. To say that God is true, to certify that God is true, will get you somewhere for all of eternity. To recognize that you have the same potential, the same ability to lie, just like these men that we've mentioned, and to repent of that sin and turn back to God and accept the testimony of Jesus gives you hope of a future. This is the same mankind who speaks of the earth as it says, the same mankind that actually John writes about in 1 John chapter 5, verse 10. He says this, he says, the one who believes in the Son of God, again, there we have Son of God, that Jesus is God Himself, has the testimony in Himself, the one who does not believe in God has made Him a liar because He has not believed in the testimony that God has given concerning His Son. So you don't believe that Jesus is God Himself? You don't believe Jesus' testimony? You just now called God a liar. Have you ever been accused of being a liar when you didn't lie? I mean, all of us have. Somebody somewhere in our lives has, has accused us of lying when we weren't lying. And we all know how that makes us feel. But then again, we're not the creator of the cosmos. We're not the sustainer of the cosmos. So imagine what it does to God in our sinfulness when we call Him a liar. How do you think it makes Him feel when His own creation says He's lying about who He is? Brothers and sisters, (laughs) there are people we know There are people we care a lot about for. There are people we love at this very moment who are making God out to be a liar. We all know people. We have people in our lives currently who are denying the testimony of Jesus. People you care about are calling God a liar currently. And there is no hope of a future relationship with them because of that fact. It is our job to share the gospel of who Jesus is. It's our job to share his testimony. He's already done the work to provide salvation. Now he works through us to tell others about his work, not to tell others about ourselves, not to tell others about how great their life can be now. No, that's not what we're called to do. We're called to share the gospel because the gospel leads to future eternity. And Jesus knows all about that. That is what he knows. He comes from heaven. And that was his message when he came to this earth. But we got John telling us right here that no one accepted his testimony. His own people denied his testimony. And to deny Jesus as the Son of God is actually the ultimate form of blasphemy. To deny the testimony of Jesus is the same 
As when you call the Holy Spirit a liar, He is the one who teaches us the truth, confirms the truth in our hearts. That is a sin of blasphemy that you will never be forgiven for. The only way to make sure that you are not in that camp is to accept Jesus' testimony that He is God, He came to earth, and He went to the cross for our sin, for all the sin of the world, the sin that stained His creation. And this brings us to our first point. The testimony of Jesus derives from God's truth. The testimony of Jesus derives from God's truth. And see, that's written that way on purpose because let's face facts. Most people approach the Bible according to their own truth. They have what you would call a presupposition. They, they go into reading the text with a preconceived notion of what they want it to say, not what it actually says. And when we do that, we make this word about us and not about our Lord and Savior. Every single verse in this Bible, you have said this time and time again, we will continue to say this. Every single verse in this Bible leads to Jesus. Again, our main idea this morning states this. How we respond to the Son of God will determine our future. I love that. I love the fact that I can get behind a message that has everything to do with what's to come. I mean, you don't have to be a student of history. You don't have to be really that up to date with current affairs to realize things haven't gone well, things are not going well. And, you know, you've heard that expression, history repeats, not necessarily true, but it does often rhyme. And if the rhythm is what has been established prior to, you can judge by the past and the present of what this world's future is going to be. I can get behind a message that says there's something beyond this world that is far greater and it came straight from heaven and that is the testimony of the Son of God, Jesus Christ Himself, that I am God. I went to the cross on your behalf. So as we continue and we finish out this third chapter of John this morning, I hope you recognize the intimacy that you see right here in verses 34 and 35. It says, for he whom God sent speaks the words of God. The Father loves the Son and has entrusted all things to his hand. Now, just how intimate are these verses? I mean, really. He loves his Son and he's entrusted all things into his hand? I mean, how is it that God can be so confident? How is it that he can be so confident in Jesus? See, We've already established, let's face facts, I don't care if you disagree with me or not, this is the truth. We're liars. Mankind has to work at telling the truth. I'm not sitting here saying that you lie all the time. I'm not calling you a liar on that level. I'm just saying as humans, as sinful humans, we have to make an effort to always be truthful. There are times I can tell you in my life it'd be much easier to take the shortcut and just maybe fib on something and not be honest because it's easy. But no, we know the gospel. We know that we sometimes have to go out of our way, put ourselves off to the side to be as authentic and true as possible. So how is it that God can be so confident to do this, to have full love of the Son? 
to entrust all things into his hands. I'll tell you why. And it's really simple. And we've already stated it. It's because Jesus is God. There's not one character in the Bible that even comes close to this verse. We never had that with Adam. Never had it with Moses, Abraham, David. Go on down the list. This is only possible because Jesus is God in human form. Verse 34 alone hints at the Trinity. There's not very much in the Bible where you could go to one verse and, and see the Trinity, but I think verse 34 hints at the Trinity. He is Jesus, and then we see God in the Spirit. Again, Spirit is capitalized. We use the NASB here at Villa's Grace, and when you see that capital S, that means Holy Spirit. Do you know why He does not give the Spirit sparingly then? And further evidence to why we should believe in the testimony of Jesus? He says right there, He does not give the Spirit sparingly. It's because the testimony of Jesus declares that He is God. Of course, Jesus gets all of the Spirit. God did not hold back anything when He gave His Spirit to Himself. Therefore, He was fully indwelt by the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit who lives within us, who works on us to do exactly what we just talked about doing, making that effort to be as truthful as possible. Because let's face facts, a lot of times our first inclination is to maybe fudge just a little bit. Just a little bit, right? Matthew recorded Jesus' testimony as well, the Spirit not being given sparingly. We see this in Matthew chapter 3, verses 16 through 17. God's Word tells us, After He was baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened, and He saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove and settling on Him. And behold, a voice from the heavens said, This is My beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. So as we go back to verses 35 through 36, as for Jesus, what does it say? Speaks the words of God. He speaks the words of God. Clearly, this is achievable because Jesus is God. However, it is more important to note this. Jesus was born to a sinful woman. Mary was sinful. Jesus, therefore, being half man, half God, had the ability, he never did, but he did have the ability and the potential to sin. However, he chose the right path, the righteous path, 100% of the time. Like us, he had naturally, he had to naturally develop as he grew, because we do as well, and we constantly grow, we're constantly learning. That's one of the most beautiful things, in my opinion, about God's Word. It doesn't matter where you're at with your walk with Him, whether you are an immature believer or a seasoned veteran, a mature believer, you will continue to learn from God's Word over and over and over. But the difference is His development compared to our development. See, as He grew, He received His development from heaven. That's far different from us because we were just a bit different because we received our development from earth. 
which is why we can relate to our four gentlemen from the beginning. Brothers and sisters, take a look at the end of verse 36. Just take a look at the end of verse 36. What does it say? This is when we lie, when we deny the testimony of Jesus. What does it say? This is the wrath upon us. Unless we're the one who believes in the Son. If we believe that Jesus is the Son of God, if we accept His testimony, then the wrath of God won't even touch us. We'll be spared. I want to share this quickly. And this is, this is how serious this is. So you ever see those individuals in town with the black pants and the white button-down shirts and the black tie or just a nice tie with a little name placard and, and they're wearing a bicycle helmet because they're riding a bike around town? You've seen those guys, right? For those of you that don't know, they're Mormons. So yesterday I had to go to the bank and on the way to the bank I, I ran across two Mormons on their bike and I just sparked up a small conversation with them. I'm not going to go into details about the conversation. But I want to share this, and then I'm going to share why I'm even sharing about the Mormons, and it's for this reason. See, Christianity is the only religion in the world, it is the only faith in the world that accepts Jesus' testimony. Christianity is the only faith that says Jesus is God. And it's not my work, it's His work. Now, you can look at Catholicism. You can look at Hinduism, Buddhism, Mormonism, Jehovah's Witnesses, and the list goes on. Every other religion of the world denies Jesus' testimony. Why? Because they don't believe He is God in flesh. Those two Mormons that I spoke with became very annoyed with me as I was speaking with them. Well, I shouldn't say both. Because anytime two Mormons... Let me share something with you really quickly. The Bible's very clear. It tells us never invite them into our home. You don't want to invite Satan's false gospel into your home. But here's the thing. You can address them. And if you choose to address them, if you feel confident enough to address them, you choose the one that does the least amount of talking that seems to be the one that isn't the leader because they always pair a stronger one with a weaker one. And you look, that one who doesn't know his Mormonism as well, doesn't have God's word down as well, and you talk to them and you look at them and you ignore the other one. The guy that I was focusing in on was being told by the other guy, we got to go, we got to go, we got an appointment, we're late for it, we're late, we're late, we're late. And I said, no, 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 you're okay. It'll be okay. For, for a few minutes, I kept on telling them, no, no, you're fine. You don't, you don't have to worry about that appointment. You know why I, don't, I, don't, I didn't think it was a big deal for them to miss that appointment? And it, it's really simple. Because they're going to go into whoever's home that they had an appointment with here in this villa's community. And they were going to tell them that the testimony of Jesus is a, is a lie. And when that happens, you keep people from eternal salvation. So my prayer when those boys left was for the one boy, the young man that I was speaking to, that he gets saved. I believe it is far better for a man to commit capital murder than it is 
for a man to preach a false gospel. Capital murder is temporary for this life and this life only. Salvation is still there and available. But if you preach a false gospel, salvation is being stripped away and robbed from the hearer, from the individual. It is our job not to get frustrated with the Mormons or the Jehovah's Witnesses because we know the gospel is not our job to tell them that they're wrong and get frustrated. See, it's really just our job to have hope in the gospel and let others know through our lifestyle that we're saying that the name of Jesus is true. We've certified that God himself is true so others can come to a saving faith in him. So as Joe comes up and we close out this morning, I want to be very clear about something. God's wrath is reserved for those who call him a liar. That's what we're seeing here this morning in this text. In verse 36, the essence of the gospel is right there. The essence of the gospel can be found in verse 36. Those who believe receive eternal life. It's really just that simple. Access to God is only achievable through Jesus. It's only available through saying that God is certified to be true because you've accepted the fact that Jesus in his testimony says that he is the Son of God. A lot of people will talk about God, though. Some of those people that we mentioned that you care about, that you love, they may give you indications to where they're not actually fully accepting the testimony of Jesus, but they'll talk about God. They'll say things like, God never gives us more than we can handle. They'll say things like, when God closes a door, he opens a window. Or they'll say, I had a God wink today. Or the worst one yet is this, only God can judge me. Well, as Pastor Jared reminded me a few weeks ago about that one, if you say something like only God can judge me, that should scare the hell out of you. It really should. See, it's all about what you believe about Jesus. Brothers and sisters, it's not about what God is doing in your life now. Get over yourself. Even when we studied Hebrews this morning in persecution, as a Christian, you should expect to be persecuted. And actually, a persecution might just be a blessing, as Mike walked us through this morning. It may be that golden opportunity for you to learn as you go. See, it's all about what God provided, not about our life and what we can achieve now or what we can gain now. It's all about what God provided. He provided our life to come. That's what's important. And those who believe have a life to come that's free from God's wrath. For everyone else, there's not enough luck in the world to spare them from the coming destruction. And I don't even believe luck exists. I don't believe in luck at all. All things happen for a multitude of reasons. And if you choose to deny the testimony of Jesus, your consequence is the wrath of God. And this brings us to our final point this morning. Those who believe the testimony of Jesus are spared from God's wrath. Those who believe the testimony of Jesus are spared God's wrath. Again, our First point this morning stated this, the testimony of Jesus derives from God's truth. And finally, our main idea this morning states, how we respond to the Son of God will determine our future.
Don't you just love the gospel message? How it's all-encompassing? It takes in the past and the present in order to make a future. And that future was created by the same one who created the heavens and the earth, Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, as always, we pray to be a church to share your good news with others. Specifically, as mentioned, I'd like to pray for those two young men that I had a conversation with yesterday. I pray that they can come to a saving faith in you and accept your testimony. I pray that they get out of their situation where they are calling you a liar. Allow them to certify that God is true. And we pray that for everybody in this world who does not know you. Bring more salvations your way, Lord. We pray this because Jesus has made it possible. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, look us up on our website, www.villasgrace.com or drop us a line via email, connect at villasgrace.com.